your truck and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cockerham. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything health. Nutrition, diet, fitness, lifestyle, exercise, disease, drugs, supplements, you name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and ask the question. We're going to get to those questions in just a little bit. Kim, welcome back. Hi, Kevin. So glad to be here. Excited for today's show. Uh, today, you know, I'm always excited on Wednesdays for Destination I Health. I know you are too, but today is, is really a special yeah. day. We don't do a lot of guests. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's kind of a struggle. We, we get so many questions. There's so much to talk about. But, you know, once in a while when we find a guest we know can bring a lot to the table on things we're working with, um, we do like to do it. And today is one of those days. So, um, let's jump right into it and bring on our guest today, Dr. Kenneth Brown. Dr. Brown, welcome to the show. Kevin, thank you so much. Tim, pleasure to be here. Super excited. We are great to have you here. Um, so grateful to have you here. Excited to get started on this. Before we get to the important stuff, let's get two things out of the way. I want to help you with two. I want you to help us with two pronunciations. SIBO or SIBO? <laughs> Typically, it's SIBO. SIBO. I've been the one saying ah, it wrong all this wrong. time. I know, me too. <laughs> That's why I thought we'd get the correct pronunciation from one of the experts. So thank you for that. And how do we pronounce your product? Ah, uh, yeah. So that's atrontil, like, ah, my belly's better. Atrontil. <laughs> oh, love that. Love that. that. That'll help people remember. That one I had right because I saw it on your website. So uh, thank you for that. So we're talking about SIBO today. And give us a background, some background on you, how you came to be, you know, really focused on this and, and what it is. Let, let's just start with the basics. So people know what it is we're talking about, and then we'll get into so much more. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, my name is Ken Brown. I'm a board-certified gastroenterologist in the Dallas, Texas area. So this all started uh, over 10 years ago. I had been doing pharmacologic research for multiple companies. And it was at that time that there was a disease process that affects up to 20% of the population in the United States. It's called irritable bowel syndrome. And I was working with some researchers around the country, and there was this great discovery that if bacteria starts to grow where it shouldn't be, which is in the small intestine, that can actually create all the symptoms, which we call IBS. And that's the term SIBO that you were just asking about. That's an acronym for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So 10 years ago, I'm working with this uh, doctor that said, look, as it turns out, IBS is not just in people's heads. It's not because they're stressed. It's because bacteria is growing where it shouldn't. And I was working with a pharmaceutical agency to try and develop a product for that. And in that process and all the knowledge I was gaining and all the people I was speaking with across the country, um, it occurred to me that 
one of the gases that gets produced by bacteria is called methane. And our medications or the medications that these pharmaceutical companies were looking to treat this with weren't going to address the actual problem. So that's when I had this aha moment where we realized we could do this naturally. And we were able to figure out how to get the bacteria, the SIBO bacteria, to go back to the colon. And that's where it all started with an idea eight years ago. And we launched this product called Atrontil, which is a natural product for essentially irritable bowel syndrome and SIBO bacterial overgrowth. So that's it. really interesting. And you mentioned IBS affects 20% of the people. It seems to me like I can't even keep up with all the acronyms anymore. It's IBS, IBSD, IBSC, yeah. <laughs> um, Crohn's, uh, ulcerative colitis. Do all of those fall into that? Is, is that does that 20% kind of include all those different diagnoses? No, it doesn't. In wow. Fact, that 20% is just this group of people that have the diagnosis of irritable bowel syndrome. And the diagnosis, unfortunately, is more of a trash can term. So what happens to a lot of people is they go to a doctor with these complaints of bloating, abdominal pain, change in bowel habits. You end up having a bunch of tests done, blood work, x-rays, and probably even a colonoscopy. And then they wake up from their colonoscopy and everything's normal. And the doctor may say something, well, everything's normal. You just have IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> the problem is that IBS really takes over your life. So just having it is kind of a misnomer. It's extremely, um, it really gets in people's, in the way of people's lives. So that's just that 20% that have gone to the doctor and been labeled. There's probably a huge percentage of people a lot of your listeners, perhaps, that when they eat, they have discomfort, they have change in bowel habits, either diarrhea or constipation, that falls into that as well. Then we call those functional diseases. And so in gastroenterology, in my field, when you say a functional disease, that means, yes, it may be bothering you, but it's not killing you, so to speak. Yep. Then we have these organic diseases where Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis live. There, when we do the procedures and we look at people, we find pathology or we actually get in there and we see stuff that is wrong. So they're, they're actually in the GI tract creating similar symptoms but different disease processes. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. You know, the way you just talked about somebody eats, they feel some discomfort. I think many people have come to believe that that's normal because they've dealt with it for so long. Nothing seems to help or things will help for a little bit and then they'll stop working. And, you know, three years ago when I really started down this this path and I, you know, went through the NTP course and realized how important digestion was and learned all the ways to fix it, I started working on my own. I, I've had digestive issues my whole life. I was diagnosed with colitis when I was in elementary school, and I've, I've fought oh. this my whole oh, life. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and I'm not even sure it was a correct diagnosis back then. Um, I don't know. I, I yeah. just I, I alternated between diarrhea and constipation, stomach pain all the time. It, it, a lot of it was a really poor diet. I, I realize that now. Um, what I'd love to be able to say now is I know my digestive system is fixed and working, and the way I know it is I don't even realize I have a digestive system. That's, that is beautiful, and I get that a lot 
where patients will come to me as a follow-up and I'll ask them, oh, hey, how is XYZ going? They're like, oh, come to think I, of it, I, yeah, no, I'm fine. It guess. Because you really should not be thinking about your intestines. They kind of work on their own, and they should not be getting in the way, and your brain shouldn't be worried about, is there a bathroom nearby? Am I going to hurt if I eat this? I love how you're saying that. That's, that's so true. When you're healthy, you just completely forget about your gut. You take it for granted. Don't even know it's there, which is such a beautiful thing. Um, you know, when you stop and think about it, I'm so grateful that there's no sign that it exists. It does its job every day and I don't have to think about it. I don't know it's happening. And, you know, I can focus on what I want to do today. Um, you know, two years ago, even though we were working a lot on digestion, you know, we, we work to clean up the diet first, then we work on digestion. And what we find is if you get the diet and the digestion right, so many of the other health problems people are facing disappear on their own. And then if there are some things left over, you can focus just on those. So that, that's been kind of the way we approach each you know, client that we're working with. What we started to find, though... I love how you do that. And, and two years ago, I have to say, I kind of knew what SIBO was through all my reading and research, but I wasn't really focusing on it, and we weren't doing a lot with it until we were finding maybe 30, sometimes even 40% of the people we were working with weren't responding to the things we were doing, and we couldn't figure out why, so we kept digging and digging. Do you find that if somebody does have SIBO that it will really block a lot of the digestive issues? And, and if we can't fix digestion, then we can't fix the rest of the health problems. Do you see that a lot? I do, and there's a big movement going on here. And I like what you said about that. If we can't fix the digestive issues, then a lot of other issues won't be fixed. So it is my belief that all health begins and ends in the gut. If you are not able to absorb proper nutrients, if you have a situation where you have intestinal permeability or it's also known as leaky gut, that predisposes to a lot of inflammation that goes around your body. When I travel the country and I listen to lectures or I'm giving lectures, um, it's fascinating because I will hear a pediatric gastroenterologist, um, there's a, a very prominent one named Alessio Fasano, who gave this great lecture about how autism is a complete epidemic and it is just increasing in its prevalence and he showed a direct correlation to intestinal health and how Doc- the inflammatory cascade causes autism dr ron hold hold, hold that thought just a second yeah. hate to interrupt you but uh we have to do what are called hard breaks on the show so when the music plays i've got to get to a break hold that thought I actually watched that lecture, by the way. It was really awesome. So I want to hear more about that. We'll be right back. We have lots on tap today. Stick with us. We've got Dr. Kenneth Brown with us talking about SIBO. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cocker. Here we have Dr. Kenneth Brown with us on today. Dr. Brown, before you go on with your story, I want you to do that. Um, you said something a little different than I've heard it before. You said all disease begins and ends in the gut. I think there was a really intelligent guy, he might have even been the founder of Modern Medicine, that, Modern Medicine, that said something really similar to that. I haven't heard the begins and ends. That's interesting. Yeah, he's also was the one that said that uh, let food be thy medicine. Yes. So treat yourself with appropriate nutrition. Yes, absolutely. Great yeah, stuff. The, the, the begins and ends is interesting because I was just mentioning that there's this pediatric gastroenterologist that you heard the lecture, Dr. Fasano, where he described childhood issues like autism, ADHD, and those different things being related to intestinal health, specifically leaky gut. And then I went to a lecture where Dr. David Perlmutter, who's a neurologist, uh, and he's written several books, including uh, Grain Brain and a few other ones, very well known. And he gives this lecture where he talks about how Alzheimer's and dementia is related to intestinal health and the barrier of the intestines, meaning leaky gut. So when I say begins and ends, I have one expert talking about the gut creating these childhood issues. And I have another expert saying that this is happening to our elderly population. We have to protect it from the beginning to the end and take good care of it. Otherwise, you can end up with these other diseases. All disease in some form is due to inflammation, and the inflammation starts in the gut. That's a really interesting, I love that begins and ends. Um, you know, the, one of the facts that I came across in all the research and studying that I just had such a hard time getting my head around um, I, I don't remember the exact number. I think I've heard 80, even up as high as 90% of some of the neurotransmitters that we talk about in our brain all the time that control all these things, anxiety, our thought process, depression, our moods, that those are actually produced in the gut. 100%. So there's chemicals like serotonin that you can turn on a TV commercial and see Pharmaceutical companies talk about these antidepressive medications, and they're called serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And there's more serotonin in the gut than there actually is in the brain. And in addition to serotonin, you've got histamine and tryptase and all these other neurotransmitters that directly affect the nerves that are nearby. It was recently shown that, let's look at SIBO, for example, when you have intestinal permeability, not only do you have inflammation going on where the body's trying to fight this low-level infection, but there are cells called mast cells that live right by nerves, and we now realize that when they secrete serotonin and histamine, it goes from the enteric nerves of your gut, meaning the nervous system in your gut, directly to the central nervous system, which is the brain. So now we have this link as to why people that have these intestinal issues complain more of anxiety, depression, and they experience more pain in their bellies than the typical person. We have a mechanism to prove why this is going on. So you're exactly right. It, it, you know, I could keep you on here all day, probably all week, because I, I, I'm just so fascinated by digestion, and, and I'm coming at it from, 
you know, more of a non-medical background, from a nutrition background, from more of a layperson, but I love the science behind it. And, you know, we, we know that digestion is this north to south process, actually starting in the brain and working its way down. And every step is dependent on the step before it. Is that correct? I mean, if we screw up like one of these steps, we compromise the rest of digestion? Yes, but from a physiologic standpoint, you know, it's been, there's an old adage in medical school that the more complex something is on a biological level, the more important it is. So fortunately, let's look at the intestinal barrier, the tight junction where your small bowel samples the outside world and gets its nutrients and tries to keep out offending bugs. Think of it that way. So it's a semi-permeable membrane. It is exquisitely complex. And so the body has all these safeguards that it really tries to make sure that, that, that it still does what it needs to do, even if it's kind of under attack. So it is totally true that one step leads to the next, but it's very, very, very complex. And fortunately, the body can adapt to a lot of things that you throw at it. One, uh, one other thing that I'm really interested, how, how long... Could somebody be suffering from SIBO? I mean, is there a point where it just gets so bad something has to be done, or does it ever resolve itself? Could somebody have this for years or longer? So that is a, that's a great, great question. So one of the things that we've always known is that you can have irritable bowel just pop up, IBS syndrome. And we used to call this post-infectious IBS. And so what I would see all the time is a patient would come to me and they're like, look, I was perfect. Five years ago, I went on vacation to Mexico and I got a bad case of Montezuma's revenge. And then I was okay for a month. And then I've never been right since. And we used to call that post-infectious IBS. Now we realize that that infection was the start of the SIBO process. So what SIBO is, is when this bacteria starts growing where it shouldn't in the small intestine, every time you eat, specifically starches and foods that the bacteria love, they start to break it down and have a little buffet before you can absorb it. And that produces the swelling, the gas, and the pain. But it also allows more bacteria to grow. So the way that I tell my patients Normally, you should have this crystal clear stream that just flows along. Something happens, and you block up that stream, and you turn it into a little cesspool or a little sewer pipe. Well, the more bacteria that grow there, it slows things down more and allows more bacteria to grow, and then allows more bacteria to grow. So it becomes a very vicious cycle. So people can suffer from this for years and years and years because it's, they've got a little factory in there. So I see a lot of people have suffered for years. Um, I also see people that have an, they can make it kind of come and go. So there's people that have motility issues where they'll go through periods if they eat really clean and they don't feed the bacteria, they'll feel a little bit better. And then once they try and break out and have some of these other foods that they like, the bacteria wake back up and they keep going. So to answer your question, yes, you can have it for a very, very long period of time. And sometimes it can go away, your body can fight it off, or through clean diet, you can control the symptoms. 
the reason I ask, I'm almost kind of like getting a, kind of a free consult here on one of the uh, clients we're working with <laughs> right now. He's he, He's been listening to us for several years. He, he took our advice and found an NTP and started working with them. Saw some really good results cleaning up his diet. Really fought with digestive issues. And then he, he tried another NTP and kind of went, he's been going through this cycle for a couple of years. Um, he, he came to us and said, will you work with me directly? And we're doing that. He did the breath test. He verified SIBO. He had been through this a couple times and he had gone through different protocols, but it never seemed to stay away. We're actually working with him right now. We put him on Atrantil a couple weeks ago. He immediately saw relief from the bloating, which he had never had before. And he was also facing some things, and, and still is today, and I want to run this by you. I think I know the answer, but I want to make sure. He's actually seeing other symptoms get worse. Headaches, brain fog. Um, it seems to me like he may have had this for a very long time. He may have a pretty severe case. And could this just be like a healing reaction, like die-off of the bacteria? Exactly. So depending, what we do see sometimes, if somebody has a very high bacterial load, they, you can get worse before you get better. And what that die-off is, it's a reaction that when these types of bacteria called archaeobacter, when you start getting rid of them, they end up dying and releasing their so-called toxins, which create a brief inflammatory reaction. So when we see that, it's usually a very good sign. It usually means that they're going to continue to get better. The increasing, it's almost like a flu-like symptom. There's a few things I do with my patients. Um, you can try treating low-dose aspirin. Sometimes makes that uh, feel a little bit better because that decreases the whole inflammatory process. Or something else that really we're seeing some success with is adding um, Saccharomyces boulardii which is a probiotic yeast. And that actually has some interesting things that it does at the cellular level that kind of helps with those kind of things as well. So if they are having a die-off reaction, I say stick with it and see if you can get through it. And ultimately, you may end up cured. Fan fantastic. Now, good, people, oh, good timing, too. Let's pause at that thought. I want to come back to that because I have another question. And uh, we'll be right back with more stuff. If you're on the line, we are going to get to your calls and questions as well. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me, and we're being joined today by Dr. Kenneth Brown. We're talking about SIBO. Dr. Brown, pick up where you were left off there. Uh, we were just discussing your patient that um, when you were treating with Atrantil, they started to experience some flu-like symptoms. We were discussing that could be die-off, where as the bacteria leave, they spill a bunch of these toxins, and your body has to clear the toxins. That can actually be a very good sign that they'll end up getting better um, if they stick with it, and it could actually be a cure. Now, you were mentioning also that he had been treated before and had these recurrent issues. What we do know is that 20% of the people that have been affected um, or had an infection or developed SIBO can sometimes have an antibody that is produced as a response the infection it gets a little bit complex but basically the body produces these soldiers to go out and get rid of the infection and we have these cells think of them like cell towers where they pass the signal the body will end up hitting these cells these nerve conduction signals and that one area of the intestine will always have some small motility issues so what we see sometimes is is that people that get treated they get better they feel great and then all of a sudden, a month or two later, they're like, it's back. What's going on? We can actually check for some of these antibodies. It's called the anti-vinculin antibody and anti-CDT antibody. And we say, okay, you're going to be 20% of the people that has the risk of it coming back. In those people, we get a better response if you put them on something that moves the small intestine when they go to bed at night. And that is called the housekeeper phenomenon. So with these people, I'll end up treating them with Atrantil during the day and then putting them on either a natural motility agent at night or erythromycin at night, believe it or not. And we can actually get a much better response in these recurrent people that actually come back. That's really interesting. His This client's number one complaint, the thing that keeps coming back and we keep fighting against, is actually constipation. Yeah. Yeah, so the if he has SIBO with methane production, methane actually doesn't get absorbed very well in the small intestine. So 20% will be absorbed, 80% will go to the colon, and methane works like a local paralytic, meaning it's going to slow everything down. So it's not uncommon to see people that have the bloating and the severe constipation. If we can get rid of it, the constipation will improve, but sometimes I need a little extra help just for the constipation portion of it. And we can treat that. After we treat the SIBO, we can treat that with various things to help go to the restroom. So you mentioned at night some natural help with motility. What would some of those things be? Well, there's a few things that have been reported, one of them being Iberogast. Um, that's actually something that a lot of the naturopaths like. Uh, there's a few other things like some ginger and there's a product, uh, um, Motil Pro, and they all just use various things to try and stimulate movement okay. of the what's called the phase three contraction. So basically, in a normal person, when you go to bed at night, every 90 minutes or so, there is a, a very aggressive movement of your intestines. And that's there to move everything in the stomach and the small bowel into the colon, where all the bacteria should be. When people have this, motility issue when you go to bed at night 
the rest of the intestines move except for this one little section, and bacteria can start to grow. That's why we give them a little nudge and try and get that area to be cleaned out as you sleep. You know, you, you do such an amazing job of taking something that, when I've tried to research it, just becomes incredibly complicated, like you said, in the science. You make it make sense in a way that we can understand. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, um, it is extremely complex, and it's a moving target. This is, um, it's fairly new that people are, are realizing this. I mean, even a lot of my colleagues have not really embraced the whole SIBO concept and the healing of the gut concept. Yeah, and, and we've certainly seen good results when when we are able to fix these things. And, you know, if you believe that everything is nutrition, then the next everything has to be digestion. And if SIBO is – this blocks absorption of nutrients, doesn't it, in the small intestine? It does. So we have seen people that can show up with iron deficiency anemia – they can have some malabsorption. Um, I've had people that have shown up and looked like pancreatic insufficiency. Uh, they have oil in their stool. We can see B12 malabsorption. So these bacteria, they're very opportunistic. And if you feed them, they're gonna, they get first crack at the food before you can get the nutrients from it, depending on the bacterial load. Very interesting. I, I could talk, like I said, probably all week. I have a million questions. Um, I've heard you on another podcast. Your information is always fantastic. Um, I, I'm sure you know our podcast is a little different. About 98% of the people listening are truck drivers. Um, understanding yeah. all, all of the health challenges we face today, uh, poor diet, lack of movement, poor sleep, high stress, um, take those in the general population and multiply them by about three when you live in a truck on the road and drive 120,000 yeah. miles a year. That's what our listeners average. Whoa. Yeah. Wow, that is, yeah, I am shocked that anybody could have, um, or you really have to work at keeping your intestines healthy in a situation like that because... There's a lot going on. Just like you said, you mentioned something about sleep. We know that sleep hygiene is really important for your overall health, and now we're seeing on a cellular level that sleep hygiene is really important for the intestinal lining. So the sleep alone, the, we know that you know, movement and exercise um, helps with that as well, and uh, you know, being in a truck that long. Yeah, I really admire every one of your listeners that does this for a living because you're stronger than I am. I, I don't think I'd be able to do that. That is tough. It, it really is. I, you know, before I started doing what I do today, I, I drove a million miles myself, and I've, I've employed drivers virtually my whole life. So I, it's why this is such an important issue for me because um, he, here's another fact that will really scare you. Um, the average lifespan of a career male truck driver, some studies have put at 57 years old. Whoa. That's, wow. yeah. So that is really interesting. Oh my goodness. That's, huh. Yeah. Yeah. So we are, Do you have, is it, is it, I don't know if you saw that study. Did they go into it? Is it cardiac disease? Is it diabetes? Um, do it, they, you know, is there a predominant, is it cancer? What, what's interesting 
from, and I've done a lot of research because there, there was only a couple short studies, so I had to do a lot of, look at a lot of other studies and try to, you know, come to a conclusion. What it looks like to me is if you take all of the reasons people die in the general population, the the odds or the percentages are kind of the same. So we know diabetes kills a lot of people. We know heart disease. Those two are connected. So it's all the same stuff, just at much higher ratios. So they believe diabetes is almost twice as prevalent in truck drivers than the general population. Smoking is still a huge factor. Um, that one, you know, we just need to eliminate that one, but it, it's, it's a problem and it's an issue, but the lifestyle, the sleep, um, most of my research in the last four or five months has really been trying to solve three issues for these drivers. And I'm still working on a lot of this. One is movement. How do we get them to move more when, you know, they spend 60 hours a week in that seat, um, sleep how do we get them to sleep better because their sleep environment and schedule is such a mess and stress you know we've really figured out diet is pretty simple eat real food you know i mean just just stop eating all the junk and eat real food and things get a lot better so now we're really focused on some of these digestive issues and we're seeing you know a correlation between lack of movement poor sleep hygiene and stress really affecting digestion. And then we see that vicious circle. If that the digestion is affected, then you can have the inflammation that goes through your body. The inflammation predisposes to coronary artery disease, predisposes to insulin resistance, and it actually goes up into the brain and creates a lot of those other issues, such as anxiety and maybe that's contributing to some of the smoking that self-medication that's going on out there it's this vicious cycle that's happening with this particular subset of people very very good point not thought of that before Hold, hold that thought i love the fact that we have somebody of your caliber thinking of that now um we'll get to a break we'll come right back with more stuff stick around i'm kevin rutherford this is destination health
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We are talking with Dr. Kenneth Brown about SIBO. Uh, Dr. Brown, one other thing. I I love the fact that that we've kind of got some gears turning there because I'd love to work with you more on, you know, anything you could help us with with this population and their unique challenges. Your product has been awesome, by the way. I've got to thank you for that because... It's really helped us with some problem cases. The other thing that's a little different with our podcast and a lot of others, we actually have hundreds of people on the line with us. Um, A lot of times podcasts just interview. Do you mind taking some questions from our listeners? Oh, please do. I'd I'd be honored. Let's, Let's do that. Let's start off in Illinois. John, welcome to the program. You're on with Dr. Brown. Hi. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Dr. Brown. This is, uh, I had uh, Crohn's disease bad enough that they took away my large intestine. Um, my question for you is, with this Entron Teal uh, not having a large intestine, what, is it still safe for me to do that, uh, and put, where is the bacteria that's in the small intestine going to go when I don't have the large intestine. So, hi, John. Yeah, so that's unfortunate. So Crohn's disease being an autoimmune disorder where your body was attacking your own intestines got bad enough that the doctors took out your colon. So, yes, we see a lot of bacterial overgrowth SIBO when people have had surgical resections. Um whether they did an ilioanal or ileorectal anastomosis, meaning the surgeon, depending how low they put it, uh, you're always at risk for having bacteria creep up to where it shouldn't be. Now, the only drawback to not having the colon is that you're missing a big portion of your microbiome. So what we do talk about quite a bit is feeding your bacteria. And your colon really is the reservoir for the microbiome. So you're going to have to be particularly diligent to make sure that you get all the nutrients through your diet because you don't have the bacteria in your colon to break down the food to fill in those gaps. So when when we actually have the bacteria there, you know, you always hear that phrase, if somebody's pregnant, oh, she's eating for two. Well, really, we should be eating for the hundred trillion bacteria that live in our colons that have their own genome. We're basically vehicles for those bacteria. In your particular case, you don't have that, so you're going to have to be a little bit more diligent about the diet to make sure you get all of your nutrients. But yes, you can totally take um, Atrantil for this. Now, the, the one thing I do want to say is that Crohn's is an autoimmune disorder. We do believe that leaky gut is the start of autoimmune, meaning that turns on your immune system and it decides to attack your body. You're always at risk for other autoimmune systems because your body's revved up. So taking appropriate products like Atrantil and nutrients to make sure that the inflammation stays low is key so that other things don't also happen. Great advice. Kim, did you want to jump in here? Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> yeah, and Dr. Brown, we talked a little bit ahead of time. I would have a gazillion questions for you. This is so fascinating, so thank you for being here. Um, so I was thinking of an all-encompassing one, too, with everybody listening and, think, you know, feeling they have this going on and so forth. When, 
when you have somebody come to you um, and you put them on a regiment like a and stuff, what is the rest of the picture? What is what else do you tell them to do um, in their daily life to to help healing? So when we're talking, we're just talking briefly about the the hurdles that uh, people that make a living that drive cross country have. A lot of those things are very applicable to everybody. It's just a little easier to implement. So one of the things that I like to do is if we're going to do Atrantil, I am not a big fan of gluten during treatment. Gluten mm-hmm. is very hard to digest. It's a manipulated crop here in the United States. And a lot of times the bacteria love it because it's hard to break down. So personally, I'm a fan of a paleo-style diet. Um, some of that is based on science. Some of that is just based on the great results that I get with it. And by going paleo, you pretty much take out two major things, which is your grains, um, like the gluten and lectins, which are found in certain beans and such, which can actually be a little hard to digest also. So at least during the period, I like to change the diet to that. Um, the other really important thing is proper sleep hygiene. That proper sleep hygiene allows your body to do the things that we talked about earlier, which is do the housekeeper to clean it through, to keep the motility going. We also know that when you're lack of sleep, your cortisol levels go up. When your cortisol goes up, it releases this hormone called CRH, which is cortisol releasing hormone. And surprise, surprise, that cortisol releasing hormone happens to hit one of those white cells that live in the intestines called a mast cell. And then that mast cell releases serotonin and histamine. And then now we got this whole cascade going on again, which comes first. Was it the cortisol or was it the intestine? And so we got to try and keep that down. The, one of the ways, and I can only imagine that a lot of people that have issues with, um, with diabetes and such, and possibly a lot of your listeners, may have something called sleep apnea also. And that really gets missed a lot. If you are tired a lot during the day, I suggest to at least get checked out for sleep apnea. And I'm saying this on a personal level because my wife has complained about my snoring for years and I've got tons of energy. I don't think anything of it, but my blood pressure was going up and I was putting on a little weight, you know, I'm, you know, late forties and stuff. So I just figured, oh, that's it. Well, she convinced me to go get checked and lo and behold, I've got severe sleep apnea. So ever Mm -hmm. since that I've been being treated for that, my weight's dropped, my blood pressure's dropped. I don't have any of these other things. So I'm a big believer in making sure that that's taken care of. I think that's one of the reasons why we have a lot of high blood pressure, you know, the syndrome X, high blood pressure, diabetes, and coronary artery disease. So the, and then the final piece of the whole thing is, and just like you were talking, you got to get moving. A big fan of any type of exercise. If we're talking Um, a way to try and decrease the inflammatory process of everything. You don't have to sit there and run a marathon. Um, I do like exercise where you're activating your big muscle groups. So if we're going to try and come up with a regimen, let's say for truck drivers on stops, what you can do is doing air squats alone Mm -hmm. actually sensitizes the insulin receptors so you can use the glucose that's in your body for what it's supposed to be. So exercise, sleep, take the grains out of the diet, and Atron Teal. And I get pretty good results doing that. Fantastic. Kim, Thank you. That's exactly. Kim, yeah. we, we exactly seem to – Yeah. 
looking for. We seem to be on the right track for most of this, but all this this background yeah. and and you know the basics of what's going on is is such a huge help. Uh, I think we can get in one more call. I want to make sure it's. Uh, let's talk to David in North Carolina. David, it's your turn. You're on with Doctor Brown. Hey, hi, Kevin. Hey, Kim. Thanks a lot for taking my call, and thanks a lot for all what you do for us. Dr. Brown, thank you for your products. I guarantee a thousand percent. I had all these symptoms, the inflammation, the irregularity going to the bathroom, the bad breath. I started taking it, and most of it ran away. Um, I got it still producing a little bit of, of gas. How long should I be taking it, and what should I be doing to prevent that gas? Okay, David. Yeah, first of all, thank you so much for at least taking the time to try us out. I'm glad it's helping you. Now, I had mentioned earlier that this is a moving target. It's still fairly new. So I end up treating my whole clinic now with people that have sort of failed everything and many times failed Atrantil. I'm not saying that Atrantil is the cure-all to everything. What I can say is in clinical studies, four out of five people are going to get better. Now, that fifth person is what I'm really working on. How do we hone that in? So what I have been seeing in my practice is that sometimes it takes longer to get better. So people take it, and I've had people that have failed everything, and next thing you know, after two to three months, they're like, no, it's essentially gone. The good news is the molecules in Atrantil are actually molecules that are very good for you, and they're called polyphenols you're probably going to see a lot more research go on with this because it's a very exciting field. Polyphenols are the molecules in the Mediterranean diet that we believe allows people in that region of the world tend to have less diabetes, less high blood pressure. They live longer and they lead a lifestyle that as Americans we look at and go, how are they doing that? Um, many of them smoke, they uh, eat, they enjoy themselves. And now we realize that it's probably the polyphenol content. And so what these polyphenols do is they, we put the three ingredients together to get rid of SIBO, and then a secondary win-win, which is what we're seeing, is that those molecules go into the colon. You know, we had John uh, is the last caller. He doesn't have a colon. But if you have one, those polyphenols will go into the colon, and your own bacteria will break it down into beneficial things that you need. And the science here is getting really exciting. We've even found some polyphenols um, that recently have been shown that they'll produce a compound called urolithin, which tells old cells, mitochondria specifically, and sick mitochondria to go away. And what that is, is that's basically an anti-aging type thing. And so we've always said that the Mediterranean diet was anti-aging. We didn't know why. Now we're learning the chemicals that do it. Hate, so the long-winded answer to your question is, I'm glad you're better. Go ahead. Sorry, I, Kevin. Yeah, I hate to do it to you, but I, I got to uh, end this segment, and I'll do that right now. And also okay. ask you, because this is such great stuff. Um, one, first of all, can can we maybe look forward to getting you back on the show again sometime? 
I would love to. I, I would love to. You got me really intrigued. This is the, <laughs> the industry that you're helping seems to be the extreme version, you're exactly right, of the general population. It, it really is. Everything you see across the general population, we can just magnify. It, it, so it's kind of an amazing subgroup of people. Um, you know, We love helping them. We're seeing amazing results. But there are still places where we know we could use help like yours. Um, with your experience, your knowledge in this area, we know digestion is so important. We would love uh, to keep working with you and to get you to come back on the show. Oh, I would love to. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. There, there really is. Um, I, I know your time is busy. We'll let you go today. Um, I'd love to get you back on. I'd love to keep working with you. Real quick, if I could, because there, there's one area that I'm um, – just so intrigued by and i'm trying to do a lot of research and i know it's really cutting edge anyway which is the the microbiome have you looked at um the company called viome yet um is that the company out of california the The, it's viome it's viome with a v correct as in victor correct yeah so I was just at the Mindshare Summit in San Diego, and J.J. Virgin, who is very well known in sort of entrepreneurial uh, circles, had that CEO on stage. And he's a, he's a serial entrepreneur, and he was discussing everything. And what was really cool is he said some really, really good quotes, which is, the, health, the current healthcare system is an organism that's dependent on itself to keep going. And what it's dependent on is chronic disease. So what he's trying to do with this process of the biome is to figure out how to stop chronic disease. Because if we do that, then we don't really need this yeah. gargantuan, multi-trillion dollar thing. So, yes, I'm just recently going and looking into it. The CEO is a really cool guy, super smart. So. Yeah. He is. Um, hopefully, it, we'll be able to collaborate with him and do some stuff. If you're interested, I was one of their early adopt. They are so backed up with testing right now. They're the only lab in the country that can dig down this deep into all the organisms. I, I guess it's some test that was developed by, I think, one of the nuclear labs in Los Alamos or somewhere. Um, but it, it digs down yeah. and identifies every single organism strains, species, the entire thing. And if you're interested, I would love to even share my results with you because they are incredibly detailed. And and I'd love to have you look at it and just see what you think of the whole process. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that would be really, really cool. Fantastic. And then the cool thing is, so I I did my first um, test several months ago. They do the gut bacteria test. They also do kind of a a metabolic challenge, like a glucose tolerance test kind of thing, and take multiple readings and then tell you what kind of foods you should be eating. And it's pretty interesting. But then I also have another test coming up. I paid for a program where I do two tests a year, and I'm following their recommendations to see if I can actually improve my microbiome. Mine was pretty good to begin with. Oh, wow. But but there's always room for improvement. They scored mine pretty high the first time, so I was happy about that. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's our, you know, just like I said earlier, we could just be vehicles. We don't, we don't necessarily, um, we need to feed the bacteria to promote 
diversity in the bacteria. And the better we do, one of the problems that we are seeing is, is that a predominant species of bacteria will make you crave certain things. So some people that crave the sugars and stuff, it could be because you're, you have overgrowth of bacteria wanting it, telling you to do that. There's cool science going on with that. There is. Fantastic. Um, Dr. Brown, thank you so much. Um, just amazing information. And uh, I, I will uh, put you back on hold. I think Le- oh, yeah, Lisa's still here. We can make some arrangements so we can stay in contact, work together. We absolutely love having your, your product in our store. So thank you so much. Kevin, Kim, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. All right. Great thank talking you, to you. All right. Great stuff. Um, we will get him back. I know more of you had questions for him. Uh, Kim and I will do our best to answer those uh, in the next segment. So we're going to cue this up and get ready to go. Um, let me take care of a couple details here real quick first. I think, oh, um, okay. Uh, Kim, do you you mind coordinating with Lisa, with Dr. Brown, while I get the show going? Absolutely not. That's good. Okay. Perfect. Thanks, Kevin. I'll be back. Thanks. Here we go. success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. And today is Destination Health. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything health. Food, nutrition, fitness, diet, lifestyle, disease, movement, exercise, training, drugs, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone. My co-host is Kim Cockerham. She'll be joining us in just a couple of minutes. Uh, I've got a couple things. Kim should be with us. And then, of course, we'll get to your calls and questions as well. So our last show was uh, very exciting. We know how important digestion is. We know that if we give the body the nutrition it needs, it will virtually heal itself. It will be healthy and vibrant. It won't need drugs. It won't need surgeries. We won't really need the medical system for anything other than trauma and emergencies, which they are very good at. Our medical system is amazing for trauma and emergencies. If my arm's cut off, I definitely want the best surgeon around to sew it back on, and we've done amazing things like that. But I don't believe that our health care system, we should rename it to um, maybe our emergency medical system because it really doesn't promote health at all. 
In fact, the, the guest we had on last show, who is a medical doctor and medically trained, even said that our, our system depends on chronic disease to exist. And, and we want to eliminate chronic disease, and we can, with nutrition and, and digestion. We can eat the best diet in the world, but if we can't digest it properly, we're not getting the nutrients we need. So digestion is critically important, and I've studied and researched. I'll continue to do that. We work with clients, and we fixed a lot of digestive issues, but but we knew we were running into some roadblocks. We identified many of those as SIBO, so we, we sought out Dr. Brown because he is really so knowledgeable in this area. Uh, He's created an amazing product. We were so impressed with it. We carry it in our store. It's helping our clients tremendously. It's called Atron Teal. And um, we had an amazing show. I could keep him on all week. There's so much to talk about. Uh, But we got a commitment. He's going to come back. I think we have him intrigued in the trucking industry. I'm excited about that. That is another mission we have here. Um, I love helping people. I love doing the research. I can't possibly do enough research and and gather enough experience to be able to address some of these issues the way these people are qualified to do. So just like we've done on the business side and in trucking, we've brought in the people to really help. We're going to do that on the health side. Uh, Dr. Kenneth Brown, I, I hope, is going to be a big part of that because he has so much to offer. Um, I have another announcement we'll be making, I believe, in the next couple of weeks on the diabetes side. I found somebody who is doing amazing things, um, reversing diabetes, not not talking about controlling it, but actually reversing it um, in a lot of the same ways we're doing. So we want to bring them into the fold as well. So a lot of exciting things really going on. Let's, um, I think Kim is ready. Kim, are you with us now? I am. I always hang up on myself. So I did that after talking to Dr. Brown. Well, we've got you here now. That's what matters. Um, Boy, talking to Dr. Brown was just absolutely amazing. My head's head's going 100 miles an hour right now. I bet. I bet. And it's so cool to see another doctor that is bringing this out. And it's so, you just want to get this education out to everybody. And you're just so grateful for somebody who has dedicated themselves, their practice, their research, and to doing everything they can to get this out. And then to develop a product to, to help the healing along the way is just crazy. You know, I, I've, I'm pretty hard on the medical community. I have a lot of criticism for our healthcare system and the way it works. I've said many times the government is approaching the wrong problem when they try to fix health insurance because there is no solution to health insurance if we don't fix mm-hmm. our health care system. But I have tremendous respect for doctors and what they've gone through and the training they've been through. We just have a broken system. And it's so exciting mm-hmm. to see doctors who have that background, have that training, and have stepped outside of it to use that basis and that background and then learn a more natural approach, it really brings us the best of both worlds because they have that that just such solid background and knowledge in how the body works. And once they, you know, 
start to believe that it's nutrition and we can do this holistically and, and functional medicine doctors, I, I think that is the real future of, of our health. I mean, I love being a mm-hmm. practitioner and handling nutrition. Uh, I'll read and research as much as I can, but I don't have four years of medical school and I, I'm not going to go get it. I, I, you know, and I don't have that clinical practice. You know, I love the way he came to where he is. He, he was a medically trained doctor, but he saw that it wasn't mm-hmm. working. He knew he could be doing more for his patients, and he did the research, and he, he like you said, he even developed a product. And, and now he's able to use both sides of this, and, and that's why, one, he's so fascinating, and, and two, this is such a, a powerful answer to this. Yeah, and he was cool. I mean, he was in the middle of, he was, uh, and you know, he's still a practicing gastroenterologist. He was, uh, you know, and for him to take time out of the day to share with us was great. He was actually on his, hustling his way to a, a scope as we were wrapping up the marriage. Oh, wow. And I just, it's just, I mean, it's, it's just amazing. It's just humbling, I think, to see and encouraging to see and talk to a doctor like that. Yeah, if you're listening to the show now and you're wondering what we're talking about, we're referencing our last episode of Destination Health where we had Dr. Kenneth Brown on um, talking with us about SIBO. Uh, you can go to the website, letstruck.com, and look under the Audio Road tab. You'll be able to find that uh, episode there. We also have some exciting news coming up in the next week or two about how it's going to be easier to listen to all of our shows. We'll, we'll tell you about that soon. Um, so much exciting stuff going on uh, around here. <sighs> I'm, uh, I'm a little breathless. I, I just have to make sure that I take care of my adrenals. I, I've been, mm-hmm. you know, with all this research I've been doing, it was kind of interesting because I couldn't test certain things because my adrenals were staying so darn healthy. Um, but that's all changed. I found my limit, and I pushed beyond my limit, and I've actually, I'm to the point right now where I am showing adrenal fatigue. I'm showing high stress levels, uh, and I didn't do this on purpose. I just did it because we were busy and there were a lot of things going on. Mm-hmm. But now that I've done it, um, I can do some biohacking of my own and, you know, figure out what really works here. You know, I, I've got a lot of ideas. I've been doing a lot of research, but now I actually get a chance to test them on myself. Yeah, I think we talked yesterday, and I feel bad for you that it got there down to that level. But at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, that's what we said. Like, gosh, it's kind of cool that you did, too, that you were so healthy. Now you can see how that happens. And now, and we know you're going to share it with us, how you bring yourself back. And I think, am I correct? You're actually surprised it's not coming back as fast um, Well, the, you as know, what you would think. You know, the interesting thing was that I, we, we talk about the two nervous systems. And all of the testing I'm doing and all the heart rate variability and all the devices I'm trying, they measure the strength of both of those nervous systems and the balance, which one is dominant. And it was interesting. I almost started wondering if if these devices were really working correctly because both of Mm. my nervous systems were staying really strong right up at the top of the charts, and I would just go back and forth between either balanced or 
my sympathetic would be dominant or my parasympathetic would dominate, but they were always, both of them were strong. And I kept thinking, what are all these other readings way down there at the bottom? Because I never get any of those readings. Well, now I'm seeing what, what's happening is my, my sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight, is staying so dominant and, and I'm not getting into that rest and digest mode enough. And both systems are starting to wear out. And I'm starting to get lower readings across the board. So it, it's actually teaching me a lot because now I'm getting to experience the other side. So I'm going to talk about that a little more when we get back. And then we're going to get to your calls and questions. Stick around. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. Uh, We're talking a little bit about adrenal fatigue right now. Um, Kim, so here's the interesting thing. What I found out was if you want to keep both nervous systems strong, you want to spend as much time as possible in the rest and digest mode. That's what keeps everything strong. So then when we are confronted with stress we're able to handle it. And then our, our sympathetic nervous system kicks in, we handle the stress, then we should immediately work to get back into the rest and digest, our parasympathetic. And that's what I was doing, and I was managing it really, really well. I was measuring if I started to get into what they... And there's actually a state they call eustress. And, and it's spelled E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, uh, eustress. And it's a good thing mm-hmm. that it, it helps our body be prepared for things. Like, you know, it was designed in, to help us in fight or flight, give us all kinds of energy, clear thinking, all of those things. But we can use it in our real life. You know, if I know I'm going up on stage to give a three-hour seminar, I want to be in that stress mode. I actually want my sympathetic nervous system to be dominant because I can perform better. I have energy, I have adrenaline, there's clear thinking, there's a lot of reasons to be in that. You just can't stay in it too long or you will just wear out. So I, I, I was doing this really good job of measuring. I wouldn't stay in that mode too long. Then I would go do the things that I know 
can get you back into the parasympathetic mode, the rest and digest. I would do some breathing exercises. I would meditate. I would go outside and roll around in the grass and play with diesel and enjoy the sunshine. And then I'd go back to work and I would measure it. And I would see an immediate shift into the parasympathetic rest and digest dominant. And I thought, this is easy. I, this really works. I, mm-hmm. I, and I, I was doing it for weeks. And I started noticing it was getting harder and harder to shift out of that eustress mode. And I was spending more and more time in it. And then I started to realize that both of my nervous systems started to weaken. And I noticed it right before getting ready to leave for the truck show in Dallas. And I thought, this is probably not a good thing because I know travel's hard on our body. I have a lot of seminars to give at a truck show. Truck shows are stressful for me. This year, I set up a ton of appointments, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And and I just thought, am I going to be able to maintain this? And I didn't. Every day of the truck show, I got more and more tired. And then we get into that vicious circle. Because I was tired, I was craving lousy food choices. So I had to really fight against those. And I was craving caffeine just to keep me going. And we know caffeine is hard on the adrenals. So now I've been back for the truck show this week. And I'm I'm literally exhausted. And, And my body is not recovering anymore. My my readings are actually getting a little worse every day. Um, if I really fight to meditate and get a good night's sleep, I can get a couple good hours out of the morning. But by noon, I'm literally taking a nap and trying to meditate again just to get an hour or two or three of, of good quality work out of the afternoon. And every day is getting worse. So today is it. Um, when we get off the air, I do have a couple things I absolutely have to do. And I do have a really important meeting on the health side this afternoon. And then I'm done. I'm taking two days off. We haven't done that in a very long time. And I've just got to recharge because nothing else is working. Mm -hmm. I'm taking every adaptogen you can possibly take right now because adaptogens are supposed to strengthen our, our stress response and our adrenals. They're helping, but it's not enough. I, I think the only thing that, that when you get to this point, you have to unplug. Otherwise, I think all I would do is mm-hmm. I would just keep keep pushing through every day, and I don't think I would ever recover. Yeah, I am so glad you guys are doing that, Kevin. And it'll be um, great to hear next week. I'm echoing on this side. Hopefully I'm not echoing. You guys can hear me. Um, how, how, it, how it turned out. I mean, not just from your number standpoint or, you know, how, it, how your, you know, numbers came up, but just how you felt in general. So that will be really, we'll be looking forward to hearing that. Yeah, and I'll report both because I will tell you the cool thing mm-hmm. about the, the technology that I'm using to measure the numbers, it absolutely correlates with the way I feel. If I get a, mm-hmm. you know, a strong HRV rating for both, you know, systems and I'm up in the 80s or 90s, I feel amazing. I have tons of energy. My mood is good. I think clearly. I'm, I'm currently, my scores are down in the 40s. And when I'm, wow. in the, when I'm in the 40s, all I want to do is sleep. I want to take a nap. I, I want to, I start to crave bad foods. 
starchy or sugary foods for some reason. I start to crave more caffeine. Uh, so I'm actually fighting against that. I'm doing the opposite. I, I cut my caffeine in half because I, I know that it, it's a crutch at this point. You know, if I'm healthy and feeling good, caffeine to me is a, um, it's an enhancement. It helps me think better. It mm-hmm. does give me more energy. But I think when you get into this, where the place where I am right now, I think caffeine becomes a crutch. I'm using it just to try to get through the day, just to try to stay awake and get a little work done. And I know that at this point, it's doing more harm than good. I'm a big believer in, you know, caffeine has benefits, coffee has benefits. But where I am now, I I think it's going to do me more good to decrease the caffeine. And if I can't perform without the caffeine, then maybe it's just time to take a break. Yeah. And you know what? I want to encourage everybody, too, that's listening. You know, we've all been to that point where you know that we just think, you know, I can't go on any longer. This is just, you know, you know you feel miserable. You you're getting sick, but you feel like you just need to push through, push through, um, you know, and that's what we're here for, even just to reach out to us to say, you know, I don't even know what to do. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. you don't know if there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I just want people to know that's what you were a listening ear on this, this then too, whether calling support or calling the show, because we know we get it and we're here for you. Absolutely. Well, let, let's get to some phone calls. Speaking of helping, let's start off in Arkansas. Mark, welcome to the program. <laughs> Thanks for taking my call, Kevin. Uh, my doctor took me off of uh, acetone diabetes medicine. Yay! Oh, congratulations. Congratulations. Thanks. Uh, the A1C was 5.8, but my triglycerides are high at 430, and the total cholesterol is 160. And, of course, he wants me put me on this medication called F-E-N-O-F-I-B-R-A-T-E, 134 milligrams. What's your opinion? You are um, one of those strange cases where you actually, I would say your total cholesterol is actually too low, but your triglycerides are off the <laughs> chart. Um, I, 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 don't, okay. I don't think total cholesterol being low is a good thing. And the, the research bears this out. More people die from low cholesterol than they do from high cholesterol. And high cholesterol or low cholesterol is correlated with Alzheimer's and all kinds of other crazy stuff. So 160 actually I think is a little low, uh, but the 400 on the triglycerides is off the charts. When Have you made any major dietary changes recently? Is that how you got off the medication, which was a big dietary change? Well, I've, you know, I've been doing the KTO diet and Bulletproof Coffee for two years, and I only lost 25 pounds. And then the, I told the doctor I was, uh, quit taking Adderall because I uh, and doctor and said it was uh, keeping me from gaining weight. My doctor agreed to take me off of acetose that I might lose uh, another 15 or 20 pounds in the next three months before the next 1AC. Yeah, I, I would say that I, I wouldn't – I. Just this is my personal opinion. I would not go on the medication for the triglycerides right now. I would keep working on what you've been doing. I, I would start to switch from a, a, a hardcore keto to more of a paleo or a very nutrient-dense keto. I would start working on digestion, and I would start monitoring this number and see if anything starts to make it move. Here's the thing. 
our body should not need any medication to fix any of these problems. If we have an issue, there, there's a dietary or a lifestyle reason or we still haven't fixed something. Every drug on the market doesn't almost. There are a few classes of drugs that, that are excluded from this statement. But the vast majority of the drugs on the market are never treating the root cause of the problem. They're only treating the symptom, and many times treating the symptom does nothing except change your numbers. And that's all the medical community seems to care about. Yeah, I'm sure this drug will bring your triglycerides down, but did it make you any healthier? And the evidence says probably not. So I'd much rather you keep working on the natural remedies that you've been doing, dietary changes, and let's monitor this and see if we can get some movement in those triglycerides without the drugs. Uh, If you'd like to work with us, we'd love to help you every step of the way on that. You can do that in our health programs. Uh, If not, you can keep calling in every week and we'll see what we can do with a couple minutes a week. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me, and we're going to get right back. Uh, Kim, I don't know what happened. I just looked at the board. Yeah. I realized all the calls just disappeared. (laughs) I don't know if it's sunspots or or what. So if you're listening to us and you've got a question, (laughs) by all means, press 1 on your phone. Uh, Now's your chance. We normally never get to all the questions, but... uh, Something just happened, so if you're listening and you're with us right now, press 1, and we will get to your calls and questions. If not, Kim, you and I have tons of things we could talk about anyway. I see some are popping back up there, but um, we'll get to those here. Go ahead. I had something that just came up today, Rosa, that just thought it was fascinating. Um, You know, we we learned one of the modules, you know, in – the NTP NTC course was about hydration, you know, and um, how there's an epidemic of, of dehydration. You know, people just walk around dehydrated. Well, my mom, she were, it was about a month ago or in beginning of July where she had the stroke, um, and they are now determining, um, just got a, a report this morning back from my brother, um, that they can't even, she's had blood pressure issues her whole life, um, and they can't even get her blood pressure medicine. 
regulated right now because she is chronically dehydrated. And they're actually going as far to say as um, the brain bleed back when it happened and all her issues with hypertension could be a result, direct result of dehydration. So she's always been that way, spot water. I don't like water. I don't like water. And I'll never forget, you know, I know Carol Willie-Buehler, like, show people the, the, you know, like a side shot of a cell, you know, of a hydrated cell, you know, it's all it does in your body. I think we just don't give it enough credit. When I read that, I just thought, oh, my goodness, you know. You know, the, the, we do know that hydration is critically important. I guess what I, I struggle with sometimes is this is so important and the solution is so simple. It doesn't cost, mm-hmm. a, doesn't cost a penny, doesn't require any medical intervention. It's as simple as sticking a glass under the tap and drinking it. I mean, the, it... Mm-hmm. <sighs> You know, and is it a generational thing too? Because my dad wasn't a water drinker. Is it a generational thing? You know, it could be. It, it could be. Yeah, it it, it could also just be our culture. And I will tell mm-hmm. you that one of the worst parts of my diet growing up, I literally grew up mm-hmm. the only beverage I drank. I'm not kidding. I I didn't drink milk because I reacted horribly to milk. Um, I wasn't really wild about juices like orange juice and that when I was a kid. Um, I drank nothing but Pepsi. Nothing. That was it. Oh, and I, wow. it was mm-hmm. it was there all the time. Nobody monitored how much I drank. I could drink drink as much as I wanted, and that's all I drank. No wonder why I had health issues. Clearly, that was a big problem. Um, now. About the only thing I really drink is water and coffee and tea. And that's that's it. I just mm-hmm. don't drink anything mm-hmm. else anymore. And you get to a point, when I was drinking Pepsi growing up, oh, my God, don't give me a glass of water. Why would I drink that? It's awful. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah. now, I love water. Good, clean cold water it, it cold mm-hmm. you know when i'm really thirsty and I, here's the other thing i don't get really thirsty anymore because i stay so hydrated i don't get to that point yeah but i still I, I it's hard to describe how much i love just a cool clear glass of water nothing else um so it it's it, it, you've got to get your body adapted to it too i understand in the beginning why people say well i just don't like water well you will because we evolved on water. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's just like saying, you know, I, I don't like eating fat. I'd prefer to eat sugar. Well, we've trained our body to be that way, and we can untrain it because that's not our natural state. So our, the natural state is, is we should crave water. We should drink water. We should enjoy water. And we shouldn't have a problem of hydration. I think our biggest problem is... Walk into any store, whether it's a gas station, a drug store, a convenience store, a grocery store, and there are about 10,000 other options you can drink instead of water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So drink water, really. Yeah. yeah. Drink uh, water. Drink water. <laughs> let's, yeah, um, let's get to Georgia. Richard, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. Thank you for taking my call. My question is, uh, truck driver, 
what do I need to do to get started to find out what all is wrong, what all, you know, just the basics? Is that on your website, or is there a tutorial to take you through your website, or there, how how is that done, Kevin? And I'll hush and listen. Well, everything is on the website. Kim, I'm actually going to let you take this one. Mm-hmm. You are so much more familiar because yeah. you, you do all the background in the, the programs. I'm so lucky to do it. I'd love it. So, Richard, I'm so glad you called. So, the first thing we're going to have you do is take the NutriCue. Have you taken that? No, ma'am. I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not doing okay. anything. What? Okay. What did you so call it? We call it the NutriCue. So, what we'll do is um, you can either find it on our website, or we can grab your email and send you the link to it. I just need some basic information from you. You'll get an email. You're, it's our nutritional assessment questionnaire. And you'll yes, answer these series of questions, and it, you'll actually really enjoy answering them because they just, you know, tell you a lot about your body. You get to reflect on it and so forth. From there, I will send you, email you the results so you can see them. And then we can answer questions based off of that and help you step by step. It'll show us, you know, if your digestion's off, if your sugar handling, um, certain parts of your body, your body systems, we call it, need some help. And it's very, okay. very good. It's, it's been wonderful for us. We've had 1,600 people fill these out, and it's just a great starting point to um, see what you might need to, need to adjust and add or take away. That is awesome. How do I get started now? You said my okay. email address. Yes. No, what, what I'm going to say so everybody knows that they can do this, go to letstruck.com and click on the help. Mm-hmm. Okay, you look at health services and you'll see that there's a free button. Click for a free NutriCue because it's no charge to do this. Um, and it'll just take you to a form to fill out. And it's just giving okay. your, yeah, your email or something. But, um, and, yeah, that's a great place to start. Yeah, and here's the thing, Richard. If you go there and, and you know, we try to keep our website really simple, mm-hmm. but we have a lot of information. If you go there and yes, you're, you're a little confused, just call us. Call the tribe care number that's there, and we'll help okay. you out with all of this. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, from there, that gives you all the basic to kind of look and see what's going on with me. Is that correct and which way to go? It is, sir. And I got your number, so I'll even give you a holler after the show. How's that? And get your information. That sounds like an awesome. Thank you. Thank you so very <laughs> You're much. Welcome. I'll uh, hush so y'all can help somebody else, but I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. Very and good. and and Richard, I'll just add a little to that. the The free NutriCue is where we start, and we are more than happy to help people try to kind of do this yourself. We I I love when people want to get involved with their own health care. And we will guide you uh, as much as we can in that free program. If you decide that when you look at it, you go, this seems a little overwhelming. I want some help. That's where our other programs come in. And, and you'll see those same programs on that same page. You can read what they offer. And that's where we, Kim and I, will work with you directly uh, every step of the way. So we always want to give people that free kind of do-it-yourself option. You can always call us here on the air, and we'll we'll guide you a little bit each week. Or you can take the the step up to the next level, where Kim and I will work with you directly. So let's head off to Washington. John, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin and Kim. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. What can we help you with today? 
Well, I've got this HRV monitor, I guess you call them. It's the Zoom. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the, the problem I'm having is I'm a truck driver, and my wife and I run teams, and it doesn't – I can't get any readings from it. When we're moving down the road, I have to be stopped to, to uh, get anything. So, like, the only time I can really check my sweet sleep quality and all that is when we're at home. If we're moving, it, it doesn't doesn't read anything. So this is the same device I've been using, and one of the reasons I haven't really – talked about it a lot is I'm still learning a lot about it so before I really kind of recommend it to people when we're ready we will probably put this device in our store but I'm testing a couple others right now as well Um, let me get to a break I'll come back and I'll talk a little bit more about that right after this stick around there's lots more stuff right around the corner I'm Kevin Rutherford this is Destination Health Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me, and uh, we are talking with John in Washington. And, John, one of the issues I'm having with this whole HRV area right now is it's really complicated, and it's so new that nobody has made it simple yet. We have, we have two pieces to this. One, we have to have a device to read the HRV. And then we have to have software to interpret our results. And there's a lot of different things we can read from HRV. I've been doing this intensively now for a couple of months, and I'm still not ready to release something. I found a piece of software I absolutely love, but it doesn't work with the Zoom device. The software that I have found that works with the Zoom device it isn't really clear yet, and I'm I'm afraid it's just going to confuse a lot of people. So I, I'm testing a couple other devices. I'm working with this company to see if they can get the Zoom to work with theirs. So this is still a, an ongoing project, and I'm putting a lot of time into it. I had not experienced what you're talking about, but I've never tried to sync my device while I was in a moving vehicle. So the way this device works is the wearable part actually stores all the data in the device itself until you open up the app and do a sync. 
And when you sync, it dumps all the data into the software, into the app, so then you can see your results. So it's not a real time like some of the other devices are. Now, what happens when you're actually going down the road and you attempt to do a sync? What does it do? It just, uh, it don't, it don't do anything. <laughs> it just, so, uh, I can't remember really what it tells me, but it just, it won't give me any reading at all, you know? So is it possible? And like, even if we're stopped. Here's what I'm thinking, because I'm, I'm not sure how the movement of the vehicle should affect this, but what could affect it, is there another Bluetooth device in your cab? Well, yeah, you know, we both have headsets, so try tur- that may be, try maybe turn- that's it. Try turning off the headsets when you try to sync. It sounds okay. to me like the, soft, the, the phone might not be able to grab that Bluetooth connection because it can only maintain certain Bluetooth connections. You can have multiple devices, but they don't always play well together. So when I'm having a Bluetooth issue, one of the first things I do is I just turn off all the other Bluetooth devices in the area. Because I think you were about to say it doesn't even work when you're sitting still in the truck. Well, it does. Yeah, it'll work when I'm sitting still. And the funny thing is, if say if we are stopped and we're about to switch or something like that, I can go on and say I want to read my how I slept. It'll actually... It'll skip if the truck's moving. It won't. It won't read any won't sleeping. But like if, say, if Jamie stops for her half hour break or something like that, it'll record me sleeping for that half hour until the truck starts moving again, and then there's just nothing there. Oh, so it not only will it not sync when you're going down the road, it won't even record the sleep while you're going down the road. Yeah, exactly. Now, that's an impo- really important thing to know. I'm glad you got back to me because it's while you're sleeping that this device sets your baseline HRV. And we have to have a baseline to be able to compare everything else to. So um, I, I, I'm going to work with the manufacturer on that question and ask them why the movement is blocking that. Because it does sound like that it's not a Bluetooth issue. It does sound like it's the actual movement of the truck causing the problem. Um, so I will check with that. I'm, I've been in, yeah, I've been in contact with them already, and their tech support people are great. So now that I know that, I will run that by them. And that may mean, and this is why, this is why when I start talking about testing something, many times you won't hear me say the name because I don't want people to run out and buy it because I, I want to make sure we go through things like this and we identify issues and problems and, you know, we have all the answers. I'm glad there are people like you that say, well, you know what, I'm going to try it anyway because you helped me with this feedback. I just don't want a lot of people to run out and buy things. That's why I don't always say the name um, until I, I really think I have the best solution. And I will tell you right now, I don't feel like I have the best solution. I love this wearable, but there are new ones coming out on the market. The software's changing all the time, and I, I, there's some, still some testing. But thank you for the feedback on this, and I will find out from the device manufacturer why that might be happening. Let's go to North Carolina. David, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Uh, Kim, thank you for taking my call. I got a couple of questions about 
my diabetes. I I I am a diabetic uh, type two, and I got high blood pressure. A couple of months ago, I noticed that my blood sugar, when I was waking up, was on the um, 340 to 380 range. I changed my diet. I'm trying to eat a lot healthier out here. Um, right now, on the last couple of weeks, I noticed that my blood sugar was 121, 124 on the morning before anything right right out of bed. So I instead of taking 2,000 milligram of metformin, I cut it down to 1,000, and I'm still keeping that level. Um, because I changed my my diet and I start walking two miles before I go to bed. Good. Should I do anything else to keep improving my my sugar? Uh, yeah. Uh, one of the things about you know glucose tolerance, insulin sensitivity, is that the the longer this went on, and and most people don't have any idea how long it's gone on. Because A1C is a lousy measurement. It's what our medical community uses, but it's a lousy measurement because when people first start eating poorly, they will have really high blood sugar eatings, and then they will have really low blood sugar eatings. And when you take a high number and a low number and you average them, which A1C does, now it looks normal. So we go decades thinking, oh, no, I don't have any blood sugar problems. My A1C is fine. Until one night we wake up and we're diabetic. And then all the problems start. But it's actually been going on for years and decades. So it's going to take some time to get your body back into that, to get it back to being insulin sensitive again. So that when your body does release insulin, it brings the blood sugar back down to the normal range. We also know that on a strict ketogenic diet, the, your fasting blood sugar will be slightly higher than normal, and that's okay. Instead of being in the 70 or 80 range where we think is ideal, it's much more common on a strict ketogenic diet to be in the 90 or low 100 range when you're fasting overnight, which, and it's not a problem. So your 120, that's clearly still elevated. We do want to get that down, but it's going to be just keep doing the same things. Just keep eating that clean diet. Eat very low sugar. Make sure you're getting good, healthy fats in your diet. Your walking is excellent. Um, you could even throw in a little really high-intensity, very short-duration exercise, like eight minutes or less, really high-intensity. That helps with insulin sensitivity a lot. Um, Kim, I was just thinking, uh, we had Dr. Brown on, and we were talking about digestion he mentioned something mm-hmm. about digestion that caught my eye, and I thought I made a note on it, and I couldn't find it. Do you remember what he said? There was something that actually improved insulin sensitivity that we were talking about. Mm, I don't. I'm sorry. I, yeah, um, he was. Talk, you weren't talking about that whole when he was talking about the whole picture thing. Yeah, it could have been. I'll have to. I'll During go, that. Yeah, I'll go back through and listen to that. Because, you know, I felt like I was trying to drink out of a fire hose when we were talking to him. There was so much good information. Let's. Uh, well, uh, no, the only thing I was thinking about is when he was talking about the sleep cycle and stuff, you know, and, cor- you know, yeah. it's disrupting cortisol. It's like a, 
Yeah, that that might have been. I'll I'll have to go back and listen to that again. But um, David, just keep doing the things you're doing, and you will rebuild that insulin sensitivity over time. Keep checking your blood sugar, and keep calling us. We'll help you out. If you want to take our NutriQ, that's free, and we may see some other things in there that are causing the higher readings. Kim, one of the things we know, and people have a hard time with this. Mm You mentioned cortisol, which is the stress hormone. Stress mm-hmm. causes increased blood sugar levels. There, there is an absolute correlation between stress levels and blood sugar, no matter what you're eating. Your body under stress will produce its own glucose. So we have to address that. But there's the music. That means we are all out of time for today. Any final words? Oh, no, just uh, thanks for, I'm grateful if people didn't hear Dr. Brown, go listen to his podcast, and thanks for being here with us, and Kevin, hope you guys have a good couple days off, and we look forward to hearing reports of good raised numbers and enjoyable time. Absolutely. If you did listen to Dr. Brown and you're interested, we do carry Atron Teal in the store, so check out the website. There's so much going on there, letstruck.com. Be safe. Be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford.